Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at Werewolf the Apocalypse dash retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter, which seems to be already 2022. The game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us, the fans, including scenarios, investigations, beautiful miniatures, and more. With that, thanks for your time. Hey folks, welcome back finally to 25 Years Masquerade Presents Werewolf the Apocalypse. And today we're getting over uh, to, well, Freak Legion. Um, this is a book by Black Dog Game Factory as their build. Um, but I to 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 be honored to be honored to be with the material as they put it. Let's uh, let's throw out there that disclaimer that Black Dog Game material was meant for adults only. They are unabashed in their commentary and what in the content they included for their books, and knew it would be dark and it would bother people. They went into it knowing that, but still saw entertainment value. And I thank them from the bottom of my black little heart for it. Uh, this is because I think, uh, and I'm not the only one who feels this way, I know that, but I do feel that sometimes to be expressive, people want to be unchained, and they leave you to see it. It's much like, we could say a painting, we could say anything you like, I'm not going to get fancy with it. But they got to go deep, and you got to follow them to get there, and hopefully they have a valid point. Um, these guys, though, had no point whatsoever, and I'm teasing. Uh, they... <laughs> Uh, so, in other words, what I'm saying is here is if you are easily triggered by thoughts of gore or grotesque things, grotesquery, or anything of the sort, all those topics, we're going to talk about it in the vein they present in the book as we, the people who are discussing and feel that needs to be said. So, if that would bother you at this point, please note that Femoria Freak Legion is not for you as a Black Dog Game supplement. However, for those of you still listening, welcome. Uh, Brennan, thanks for being here. Hey, always happy to be here. And as always, of the terrible two that I have on my team that love to get down with, with the dark and disturbing, I have either Nick or I have DJ. And today we have Nick because, you know, you two can't see each other in the same room or the world stops. Something about uh, <laughs> seeing your own reflection or something. I don't know what's going on there, but we'll have to honor it. Thank you, Nick. Uh, it's like I always said, you know, uh, DJ consumes the darkness that consumes everyone else. So, you know, naturally he is, he's an enemy of mine. <laughs> I'm just the darkness that consumes everyone else. <laughs> I don't think we could get any more dark than that, right? Um, that's this is this is. This is <laughs> I am the darkness that consumes you all. Okay. Um. So, ironically, along that line, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up on this comic here for a uh, freak legion, and then we're going to get into some finer points. That for once, uh, I'm I'm curious more about you two's insight to some of this material than necessarily my own, and I figure I'm going to take advantage of it. Why we got you here, because there's a lot of this book that's made that I just always was. Well, how this book came into my life, uh, I have a brother, Brandon Wood, uh, and he was fantastic with Werewolf, loved it, and got me to enjoy Werewolf from his perspective in it. We dual ran games, I vampire him Werewolf, and we played in each other's games, had a great time. And when we did Freak Legion, this book, I remember him designing everything, the game obviously, for a one-shot. Typically, it's how I see this game being rolled out. And when we started doing the one-shot, he warned me in advance that you will be offended. Got to know Brandon and know that when he said that, it was shocking, 
right? He's typically one to not, not to ruffle any feathers, right? It's just like everybody's going to have a great story, a great time, a fun time, and he wouldn't do it. But he said, you know what? Nope. This is a, a guy who is a horror fan, but also is very quick to tell people this film would trigger you or this film has some bad stuff in it and, you know, all that stuff. Great guy for that. Well, I can't pad this any further. So uh, he unveiled it to me and all the secrets, and hopefully I can roll it out in a way that he introduced it to me, but at the same time still give you that review appeal. And that's what we're going to rely on Nick and Brennan to do. Um, that being the case, I'm the fanboy gushing, and so I'm going to do, do the book itself. Uh, as in terms of the comic. Uh, this comic is designed to do one thing. It's to let you know what book you're reading. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. There's no pulled punches here either. There's some deep themes in it. that, Although it's a comic for, uh, for the book itself, and typically, yes, it's to be entertaining and to draw you in, it, it, it punches you in the teeth, at least it did for me. It uh, highlights something. They pick an everyman, everyday, everyday man, who... Uh, is supposed to be a family man, deliberately chose like a nuclear family structure to showcase how the worm can infest anybody easily. It's something we can all get behind. Now, they didn't do this to, to target any group or exclude anyone. I just want to add that disclaimer as well. Black dog disclaimer here. What it is, is they chose a guy who, much like anybody else, started off in his high school days, college days. You could tell that he was uh, in a fraternity, the drinking life, the partying life, doing all this stuff. Uh, but things go south for them. And in this short comic, they show you that. You know, for instance, it starts with him at, uh, I mean, the opening picture is of a guy who is vomiting these maggots, these weird, these, not even maggots, they're large larvae mm -hmm. that have these horrendous looking mouths onto a police officer. And there's a look of anguish and shock on his face as he's holding his stomach, wearing an untucked shirt with a, with a tie, looking terrified. And doing his thing. But you see this woman on the ground behind him whose face is half eaten as these bugs won't stop chewing her up. But for some reason, he's still alive. That's how that's going. And that's that's the opening picture. They roll through his story. But without going over the grotesquerie of the story, since I already opened you up to a little bit of it. It talks about this guy specifically being in a situation like anybody else. And life throwing up opportunity to him, right? That he sees in a very dark light. I gotta add this. This comic's written to where this the person doing a narrative is deliberately painting this guy's world in a bad way. You know, like he's designed to, he can't see it any other way. Like almost like saying, Hey, you're a guy who met a girl in college and you didn't expect to have a kid, but you did. And you didn't expect to have to work some side job or multiple jobs to hold it down, but you do. And you didn't expect her never to work, but she chose not to. And you're going to be the family man at home. And look at all the pressure that comes with that. And look at all the life that comes with that. And meaning, you know, working jobs you don't like and hours you can't handle and, and stress and stress and stress. Mm -hmm. And this is all going to hit you and you're going to miss the drinking and everything else. You can't do anything about it. But what are you going to do to make a change in your life? You know, what do you got going on? And you just got to eat it. And it talks about this great analogy that this poor schlup has been eating it his whole life, right? He gets an enema, and it's just a rinse-repeat cycle of, of, of eating way too much to vomit it up, to have to devour that, to eating it again. And the analogy is referring to the stress of life. And in that negative outlook, that's bad for anybody. But I want to point out, this book, or excuse me, the comments also showing you that yeah, people, folks get married and in situations you sometimes have a kid you didn't prep for, but you love that child. 
and you did it out of love. And you have a family that too is out of love. And you went to college to better yourself with your hopes and dreams ahead of you. And reality sets in and has a different path for you. And it might be harder and there might be stress. But billions of people go through a process like that, meet their own challenges and make their own choices. Right? Not necessarily bad. They're growth points. But what's brilliant about this book is that they hit that immature part of you that wants to see a Tales from the Crypt ending. Like you're watching Tales from the Crypt ending. Tales from the Crypt is notorious. For taking the common that you're used to because it gives you total immersion. Mm-hmm. You can get in the role of the person you're looking at. In this case, it's the family guy. And they want you to feel like him. They want you to think, hey, that could have been you when you were in college. And all, can you imagine if that girl at the party actually got pregnant? Can you imagine if you had those kids you didn't want and how bad people treated you at work and how that boss flips out on you and they have all that here? But something weird happens to him, right? All that's pretty normal. People have bad days with their bosses all the time. Right, and it's handled differently. Everybody goes through that too bad of a day, you're sick, or whatever the circumstance is. Most of us mitigate it and handle it maturely, and it doesn't go bad. You may bitch on the way home, but that's eh, life. Everybody does that. However, in this situation, this one circumstance, this guy, for whatever reason, is really sick. And when his boss comes at him, it's after him snapping to someone on the snail's floor who was just uncharacteristically and unrepentantly a bitch. Mm-hmm. Right, just treating him like shit, and so he snapped on her, and his snick- his sickness got worse. And all he wants is sympathy. He wants somebody to understand that hey, I'm not feeling well, but I, you know, it's I'm, I'm not feeling well, and it doesn't matter, right? Because right there, he should have stayed at home. But we know a guy in that situation probably can't take a sick day, right? Because so th- if he stays home, he's gonna miss paychecks. Then like, but 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 hold the- up, but hold up. Yep. Well, well, I'm, I'm painting this for you because this is the mm-hmm. part I want to get to, right? In this perfectly normal scenario, what we have going on, it's not just about understanding yet here because it's how they pace that out. Currently is a bad day at work, whatever. At work, though, when he vomits, the part that they really uh, do is that he sees these worms for the first time. Right? These things are in a, in a vat and a thing. He looks horrified. He looks shocked. What would you do if you puked out two and a half to three inch size worms that were all like ridiculous in amount, just just really ridiculous, like a sea of them, enough to mound out of the basin that you are in the bathroom, right? That horrific look, that shock, that what just happened, but for some reason you're not dead. More importantly, why is it that this guy gets an adrenaline spike, right? His boss comes in yelling at him, tell him take home before I fire your sorry ass, is all attitude. And, and the, boss is, the boss is right to be pissed because of how he handled the customer, right? So he does that, the boss comes in, right, wrong, or indifferent, he shows a callousness towards the main character here, and that character turns around and breaks his jaw. Right? It just it just looks like a haymaker, like mailed to him from across the globe, hits him, right? It's just heavy-handed. And lays him out and he storms out. But he walks away feeling like a boss. And the narrator saying that, that there is power in finally getting that shit off your chest. That you finally got that poison out, and how much better did he feel? But reality has a way of setting back in. Because what happens? He walks home, and he walks home to an upset wife. Hell warmed over because they have a, they have two kids that they reveal. It's one son who you they must have got ahead, and he's doing okay. But the second son was the unex, was another unexpected expense, and here we are again, and things are a little worse. And this this guy walks into the door of her just being a bear, just pissed off. And he feels that bile growing and he can't deal with it. And he goes to the bathroom and he's sick again. And you kind of get it. I'll let you tune in to the, to the rest of the comic, but I don't want to make it all about that. But the importance here is what you just said, Brentron. 
is when that guy teams in and says, oh, yeah, you know, his don't forget the wife was like, why would you go? Why would you go to work if you're sick? And he tells her, hey, I, I can't. We, we need the money. I can't I can't be sick at home. And right there, you're meant to feel for the guy because this right here could have been anybody. I don't think anybody listening to this, not even you two, have ever missed that. We've all gone to work not feeling well. Mm-hmm. That comes with the territory. You know, you just can't miss a day because you're not sick enough. And I mean, he made that call too. But we never had a day where we were vomiting bugs that eat people. I mean, I'm just you know, I'm going to win. I don't know you guys well like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I Meaning, I know you pretty. I know you pretty well. Met you both great guys, but. Never know, right? We all know about Nick Silo, and you, after all, had that blood in your carpet at your house when your roommate left. So I don't know. Maybe there was some bug vomiting in your future. I'm just saying. Um. Uh, not in the house, no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. If, if I was throwing up, like I wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't be running to a toilet, nor would I be calling an ambulance. I'd be driving myself to the hospital. Those ambulances are expensive, man. Yeah, I might actually uh, take Joe Rogan up on that ivermectin, you know, at some point here. You know, if I got that kind of worms coming out of me, horse dewormer just might be the trick. Uh, yeah, hell, hell yeah. <laughs> but where this rounds out at the at the comic here, so I could turn it loose to you guys, is that mm-hmm. uh, the questions I got here. Rounds out to the comic, this guy at the end is on his knees and these mysterious, like, FBI agents show up. It's what seems like the men in black, except they close in on the guy's face who's been the narrator the whole time, and he has these reptilian eyes. Shades, and he's smoking like he's been doing it forever, right? That classic comic smoking man scary villain thing. Um, what is going on here uh, that you think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch this to Nick. Why This guy's sick bad, but why is he vomiting bugs? What, what is going on with this character? I mean, like, uh, why is he... Well, in general, puking enormous larvae. Yeah, he's a normal guy. What's what's where did this come from, right? So he has a he's in a bad spot in life. But why suddenly does it, does he get to vomit bugs that eat people and do it to such an amount that he could just target and attack people with it? I'm no doctor, Bob, but I think he's got an infection, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we might even say it, it's more than your standard infection. It might even be a spiritual infection. You might say he's being ridden by, he's got a, a monkey on his back. Something we might even call a bane. Bane. That's, uh, that's I, I would concur with that 100%. And to, and to that process, let's extrapolate a little bit. We know, because you know, if you've been following the world of podcasts, we talked about the worm and his, his, his abilities, its abilities and what it can do. One of the things that has banes, there's these dark spirits that feed on negative emotion darker emotions they can even inspire them but this is really the first time we're digging deep to talk about when we have to for femori uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about how a normal human being becomes what a femori is and so if a bane's an evil spirit brentron what is a femori then a femori is someone that is well possessed by a bane right that is turned into that monster and they're not all maggot spewing acid like weird alien hybrids right they they can come in like a myriad of, of disgusting combinations but they're all some things that are like are twisted are corrupted and it's not always i would actually say probably rarely visible like uh you could see like uh i guess elephant man-esque or like even twisted to a nosferatu i think it usually is um more like sick twisted individuals right it's 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 yes and no in that regard because like you're correct 
you you can have any anything under the sun. Some can be hidden, uh, but typically the powers are obvious when used, right? There's, oh yeah, there's a reason yeah. for that. And uh, that you know what you have is what you almost see, and there's a more than assumption there. But they also have a history here too, and this is this is not in the book. But if you've been following around with the podcast, we touch a little bit on a lot of stuff, and one of them is we had oh. insight to the Fiana book right. about an about an army, right? Of uh, of Fomori marching and and the that the the changelings award with them, right? Because that and that they, name isn't unique to Guru, right? Not unique to well, werewolves. I'm not I'm not entirely sure about the origin of it. I feel as though it's like Celtic, something like that. Uh, but the traditional enemies of the Tuatha deny. Yes. and that's exactly right. And and I think that link people miss out on. They skip it. Like it's not because changelings, changeling, and werewolf is werewolf. But as we know, I've been fans reviewing, and not all the material is meant to be. It's all world of darkness. Mm-hmm. Like they're all in there somewhere. So it makes sense at some point there's some crossover. Like they're supposed to be. This here's no different. And the worm certainly doesn't exclude anything out of the world of darkness of what it could corrupt and or use. This is one such thing where the worm attacks and really empowers human beings. Now, this is a terrible thing to say, but I'm going to geek a little bit on the aspect of what a bane can do to you. Mm -hmm. Because a misconception is a bane is something that needs a power to possess you, and that's that. It's more than that. power to possess you? What do you mean? No. It's... It's more than that. Now, some people could tell you absolutely yes. It says in the book that a bane needs to have possession to possess you, and and you are correct. But what I'm going to argue is oh. that it wasn't <laughs> as intended, right? It's not like that. There's a bane floating around, and a human walks by, and boom, it hits him with a whammy, and they possess that human, right? Most cases, it's not that. You might have a badass, powerful bane that can do that. Sounds like a plot device to me, but that also sullies what they're trying to tell you here. There's a relationship that a bane has with what it is. A bane is more than just that evil. It needs that evil that it represents or that dark emotion. I won't even use evil because I think people get a, kind of a religious tone to it. And the worm doesn't care about your religion, FYI. It just, it'll destroy and corrupt whatever. That's what it does. And in this regard, it's referring to what we would call collectively sins, to excess, Everyone has a little bit of stuff in them that isn't necessarily any up and up. We're talking morality here. But everyone has a line as well. You know, you you may do a little white lie to save some good now and hopefully prevent it later. And it might come out. You didn't mean to do harm by it, but there we are. Mm-hmm. That's forgivable. Everyone's been there. It's fine. That That stuff happens. But not all of us have done that and then someone dies because of it. Or worse, we maliciously intended it to be that and used it for that. And what it's saying is if you are that person that's going around to that excess and you do this sort of deceitful behavior, there might be something that calls to a bane that promotes this behavior. And there's there's banes for all sorts of things. We won't, we won't get into that other than know that you can call to a darkness by the excessive behavior you have. And they give it a clever name. Calling it Bane helps remind you that these aren't good spirits. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't get it confused. <laughs> so it's sort of a catch-all term. But here's the trick. Whether it's a Bane of lust or violence or uh, deceit or cunning or whatever it is. Any of the many virtues that the worm espouses for bad things. What it does is it waits until you make a home for it. Before it can approach you to use that possession we're talking about. If you've seen any horror film about possession, there's a courting process any spirit has to put the would-be host through. 
and they practically torment them. I mean, they do torment them. There's no practicality of it. It's an escalation to the to the penultimate, right? When they're fully possessed and the priest need a young priest and an old priest. Why I make that distinction is because in Werewolf, there's even a bit of controversy about the fact that demons are demons and banes are banes. But if the definition of a demon is an evil spirit, and banes are and technically an evil spirit, what's the difference? And I will tell you right now, the difference is who's writing the story. That's the difference. There can be, Werewolf believes in minor banes and greater banes and a hierarchy of banes and all that. But if you want to get the, the Christian anthology or whatever religious, religious bent you want to do on it, they have a hierarchy of demons that seem to be there as well. But if you're playing a game of fallen angels, I would probably make that distinction that they're fallen angels before I would just start slapping demon on it and thinking it might be different. Because you want to capture two different feels. And this Black Dog book hammers that home immediately. They did it with the open story. They do it again explaining about what the worm is and what it goes to do. Uh, but that's sort of me doing a catch-all to explain Banes. This book is about Fermores. And what I'm going to turn over to you guys, because it's a, it's a question I have. I know both of you have had experience with this book specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the points? Like when you're making character creation and going through this book and are telling you how to make something, how does one decide to make a mortal that could have this bane, or should you at all? Like, did you just skip it and say, whatever, my guy's corrupted, focus on the powers and whatever? Or did you feel that you had to create something to make it more worthwhile? No, uh, I, I had to make something that had to, you know, there, there's got to be some roots for, for the bane to, like, kind of, like, dig down in, right? Otherwise, like, I can't, it's kind of hard to get into it. Like, the one we played before, right? Um, it, it's honestly, though, not that much more difficult uh, because the this process is going to be the, about the same as most other characters. You just start making a person, right? But it's there with the Fomori, like with that uh, lens on it. You're like, all right, so something bad happened to him or something is festering there. What um, what can you exploit to really like grow that, right? What What is in his background that would lend him that way? Because in that intro story, right, we showed that guy, um, he, he felt like he lost control of his life. That was the biggest thing about that guy. And the the worm and the Fomori, while it was corrupting him, well, at the end, they're offering him a chance to, to take some control back, right? So it, it's what it, what weakness or evil thing happened there, and uh, why would he give in to this Fomori, which I think is something they all do, right? Whenever this, this bane, it's not like they're unaware of it because we talked about possession Let, let's take it to the greatest possession case we know right exorcist that girl uh in the exorcist was tormented horrifically but that's not what the famori really do i guess they could but i always pictured as um it's like that but with like a faustian deal how would you describe that nick do you agree do you think it's a faustian deal like the bane approaches it gets with you and then starts whispering and says, hey, you want power in exchange? I'll give you some some welts and some some seeping wounds and you get some power and you can win that next uh, football game. Do you think it's like that? Man, it sure could be, um, but it definitely doesn't have to be. Um, I, I think of it as, uh, as as people have natural impulses, right? So when we have our Al Bundy character at the beginning <laughs> of the of the comic, and he's uh, he's working the shoe floor, you know, and the and the unruly woman comes to him, instead of just a, a snide comment, um, you know, a little more comes out. 
you know, a little more aggression. And it feels good, and it feels like a win when he goes back to his family, and they all disrespect him, uh, you know, and, and he's been working all day, and uh, and he's able to snap back at him, and he's like, you know what, you wanna talk crap to me? Why don't you why don't you chew on this? And then he pukes in their faces. These uh, these disgusting maggots that are crawling out, you know, and sees the horror in their faces, and just has a, a moment of uh, of reliving his glory of being the guy on the field who won it, you know, and it's where it starts to turn into a falling down moment, you know, only it's a, it's Al Bundy's falling down moment. And he finally gets to have his turn. He finally gets to have it all come back. Oh. And now he's the one who gets to, you know, drive out to the, uh, to the, to the vehicle and his no ma'am t-shirt, <laughs> you know, he's got buck next to him and he's finally going to win the day again, just like he did that one time back in high school. I, I agree. To me, that's a negotiate that 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 could be a Faustian deal. But really, what it is is that Bane knows what he wants. All it's got to do is just wait for him to take that moment and make it a little bit easier, and he'll walk right into it. And this book, this book highlights the process though too that the Banes make it look easy. They they certainly do. That a Bane is called to once called to. It's much like you're saying, Nick, right? Just ex- almost exact that it slowly lets you play the game. It's still very much up to you. But here's the problem, folks. When a Bane's around you, it can inspire you to feel what it does. And you wouldn't even recognize it. They talk about anger being the easiest method for a Bane to possess anyone. Because hidden behind that anger is its motives. Is it being there? So you go from, and for all we know, that guy's wife and that, and that, that story it was supposed to be, maybe she was being courted by yet another Bane. Because who knows? It, t- it tends to be an infestation. If you got a guy who's being possessed by one in that family, what are the odds they left her alone, right? She's in a bad rut too and has her own issues. His kids certainly seemed angry enough in that story and, and had little evil all their own, especially the way they were drawn, which I applaud the artist for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the... The aspect here is that that's what made it seem like the perception of that guy was so negative and may not be what everyone saw, whatever, how it really was. But he was keyed up is the point. Now, why was that? Well, the Bane in particular needed him to feel and, and kind of uh, not accentuate, but magnify mm-hmm. the negative stuff that he was feeling because that's fuel for the Bane. It needs that. And when there's enough there... It steps into the skin and gets comfortable. Once that happens, it, you can't understand it. Because the way they say it, that union, that possession that the Bane goes through the process of doing, makes it to where you can't separate your own feelings from the Banes. And that Bane knows only what it's there to do. And so for maybe for that guy, it's a feeling of hopelessness, hopelessness and anger and just being sick of everyone, just, just angry as shit. And it manifests as him just getting it off his chest. He has to do something to get rid of it. But, as this book's quick to point out, anything the worm gives you to empower you is meant to also torment the one who receives the power. That's the give and take of being a Fremori, which is why I mentioned it's not always hidden, but you're right that even it, probably worse when it is hidden. Because in the case of this guy, you just think he's sick and you get in range of him to, to, to puke these flesh-eating bugs out on top of you. And I say bugs, they're worms, little mini worms, but I don't want everybody to get confused. They can be grubs. Uh, grubs, I like that. Man-eating <laughs> grubs. And, uh, you know, with the evil mouths they got. Uh, they puke them out on you. They eat everything. That's it's what they do. And, all right, so this guy, Morton is his name. He's there. That seems to be the normal guy. That seems to be a low-rung Fomori. Like a Fomori where maybe they didn't have a plan for him. 
And to help you out with that, you, you're, you're, I'm absolutely correct. I know that. What they're highlighting is that there are companies that the worm owns, controls, and corrupts, and the eco, ecological disasters caused and um, planned to be, be even worse by Pentex and their subsidiaries, that they cultivate these environments to breed these banes, to draw them in mass, to slowly try to find the right vessels that are that far gone, that they're inviting these banes in to have more soldiers of the worm which only lends to the apocalyptic feel the werewolves have to go through because where are they all coming from? That's the point. But before you think the world's choked with Fomori, that's actually not correct. That process is still very hard to do. Very, very hard because, you know, a specific environment has to be grown for that to happen. But they got better at it. Don't you, don't you deny Pentex their ability to get even better with it. And to that end, we have some breed banes, right? Specific banes that they've sought uh, to create through certain programs. Um, one such program, um, I don't know, do you guys think that, that Morton was specifically targeted to be part of this program? Or do you think they did part of their catch and collect program that they, uh, that they mentioned? I think it was catch and collect. I think he's part of, I think he's part of a program. And uh, and I don't think it's like a, like he was specially designed in in Section C uh, or at Pentex or anything like that. Really, what it is is and and the worm does a great idea a great job of this. It creates a target rich environment for the banes they do have, and it it uh, it does this by slowly chipping away and creating these these missing pieces in the general population. My guess is in the world of darkness there is no want for a bane to wander the streets and not have something to attach to there are just empty vessels everywhere where they can fill that hole missing in somebody's soul now i agree with that there's there's also don't forget those programs right remember the uh both worm kind of highlighted that she could make soldiers little little soldiers wrecked for possession you know from the mr mystic dolls the gushy goos the the crazed medical doll that you could play with. And uh, my favorite, there was those, those little ads they had uh, that were uh, talking about getting uh, getting better and in shape as they mocked the comic full on. Right? <laughs> They'd go ahead and use this ad and we'll help you. We'll inject you with the right stuff and the material. And you too will come out being big, bad, and dangerous to know. And one of the chemicals that they use as part of this process is actually a fetish. I'll just jump ahead because we're going to be jumping back and forth mentioning this book. All a lot right. of interesting and rare things here, but not necessarily all roads lead to Rome, meaning we're talking about it here. Um, Femoral is the fetish we're talking about here. It's a drug that's actually made in a lab that uh, Pentex came up with. And this Femoral is actually recycled Femori. Right? It's made from the bodies of d- dead Femori. And they take it, recycle it, do some other... Mat- who knows what else they put in there. And then they uh, inject people with it to be a highly addictive substance that makes them want more of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. They, you know, I, immediately my mind jumps to fentanyl, but this stuff is way worse than that. Like, way worse. It's, <laughs> like uh, it, it's made from, like, it's <laughs> way worse than Crocodile. Nope, this is uh, this is made from, uh, from more arcs or... Uh, something like it for more rock. Like it's a, uh, it's like the super potent, um, you know, like a, like Roman candle version of a Fomori that comes out and they don't know what causes it, but it just like sparks into existence, blows itself all over the place. And then immediately like reduces down to this, this 
putty thing, whatever, that they can run through the synthesizer. And they're like, all right, we got more also. Now we have like, uh, you know, go juice for all the Fomori we have out there. By the way, they love this mm. stuff. They'll be they'll be snorting it and smoking it and injecting it all over the field. They have masks of it. You know, and it's it's. Go ahead, Nick. Even the the sick part is like they figured out how to uh, how to like specifically make these things, these crazy fomori, like these arch fomori that are just going to ex- um, consume themselves in a matter of like days or weeks. And they do it just knowing they're going to have fem- more of this femoral when they're done. And they're just like, yeah, we're totally okay with that. You know, we'll just bring in the, the squeegee team and they'll come in there and they'll ring them out in a bucket and we'll take them back to the lab and get more femoral. Fun times, right? That's <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't help but laugh when you read stuff like that because that's what they... Uh... Well, what are they doing, really? What's the point of the Fomori factory or even playing a Fomori and having rules for it? It's all designed to kill werewolves. Mm-hmm. It's all designed for you to play any other the other the other half of the team. You're batting for the worm, and it's to give a little flavor for it. And I know where you know we know where this comes from. It's that there's been a love to show that hey, you played the good guys, you might want to walk in the wild side and see how long you can last against well werewolves, which is not long. Like the whole point of a one shot of of uh, Fomori, as bad as these pe- these things are, the side effects of the powers are horrendous. It's terrible things. Mm, yep. You can uh, have a power that when the more you use it, the quicker you age. Right, with all the things that come with aging, you know, our, whether it's arthritis or advanced cancer, or whatever it could be, cataracts across the eyes. It's great you got super strength, but it may come at that cost. And by the way, this is all determined at random. Yeah, for that random Fomori based character, but it doesn't have to be. There are worse Fomori out there, and uh, maybe arguably not as powerful, uh, but they do exist. Um, Brentstrand, do you recall, uh, or Nick, do you recall reading about Ferrectoy? Ferrectoy? I don't remember. I remember those. reading about it. You do remember it, Nick? I definitely remember. Yeah, that was. Um um that was uh like what they used to they would embed folks in the walls of uh of grandma or whatever it was and uh and then they would slowly become um digested and then spit out as as these frectoy larvae well uh that's that's an interesting uh a version of it, a traditional frectoy like one that you would you read out here the, the we're talking about the the would be hierarchy the prince of Fomori. Right, the royalty of it, how they push this, it requires that bane. It's a breeder bane. Ringing any bells? Not at all. Please okay. go ahead. So there's a Ferrectoy. And uh, <laughs> I, we, we still just say it again. There is a Ferrectoy. So anyway, um, what it is, it's a bane <laughs> that's created that uh, you find a uh, enterprising, I don't know how you want to put this as a storyteller. They give an idea of like, I'll paraphrase it because it's a little out there. Let's say you're a guy who's having a lot of wet dreams, right? You're around there. You're, you're around this new neighborhood. Cool place. People say it's a little weird. You're there. You're sleeping. And you have a dream about this woman. And you don't recall that you have to go meet in a strange alley. And you're out there. And she's everything you ever wanted. Everything you ever needed. And you're just there, you know, doing what uh, birds and the bees do, right? That, that loving moments. And they're all that you want. And that's great. And you get quiet about it, you don't say anything. Well, your next door neighbor, uh, Russ, is having the same problem. <laughs> right? Russ is Russ is shamed. He has a wife. He's very much in love with her, but he can't resist this dream of this other woman. 
Well, that's all right. Brent's trying to chuck, chuckle because he can't believe they're rotten luck because he found the girl of his dreams. He just has to meet her down that same alleyway. Rinse and repeat. You get the idea. Like a sudden outbreak of, of this would-be dreamlike state happens. And all these guys go in and do their thing. And they're they're trying to... And, and, well, it's a breeder bane. We'll just get to that. And as they put it, whatever clever way you want to put it, this breeder bane is... Uh, well, it gets pregnant. Carries the child to term. And then it manifests in the real world. And this cocoon-like thing gets birthed out into it. And then there's a mewling, crying baby in the neighborhood. And ideally, some innocent-hearted person uh, comes along and, oh my God, there's a child. They pick it up for child services. Or ideally, they raise it themselves. And they, they go to raise this kid. Now, strange enough, this kid gets raised and, and people just know to take care of it. It's something like the omen that comes out from it. In reality, typically, these breeder banes are watched. They were put there. And they're being watched for the birth of one of these type of Ferrectoi. And uh, when it's born and goes to term and does its whole nine, uh, the Ferrectoi is actually has a, has a slew of powers uh, that the worm has gifted it with. And these powers tend to be common, uh, common powers seen in Ferrectoi, but make them quite potent. Whether it's regeneration, strength, and resiliency, all things that establish dominance really depends on what branch of the worm they come from. It's able to keep these hidden, and because yeah, that's actually one of the, that's actually one of the the coolest things that it, it brings up is that not only does it keep it hidden, but it keeps it hidden better than most Fomori do. Like if it has like, extra arms or something like that, they're retractable arms. You know, if it has like fangy teeth or anything like that, like they they're able to like retract them or round them out or anything like that. So they pass as human better than those that used to be human. And What's what's cool about everything exactly like that is that these guys come with, obviously they're they're tiered to be specific, right? They're going to be immune to delirium. Mm-hmm. They're just born with it, right? Um, but also they come with backgrounds where they're suited to do it. You know, allies three to five. It's required. Uh, they and, and those allies are worm toadies. It's other minions that serve these people and have to. Is the point. They get favors that they suggest you spend points into as a player, and you know, of course, rank. And the army of the worm, which is what they're supposed to do. And and where each Fomori, or excuse me, each Ferrectoy would be targeted as unique, the powers tend to have something to them. And um, thematically, anyway, is what it, what it kind of reads about. Uh, but this stat block is not just my brain remembering it easily. They give you the formula here in the book. They tell you what they're going to have. And it's designed for players who can't think of random powers to throw on, but read an opening story about them and get an idea of what these guys might be like and go, yeah, yeah, this is what I want to play in this one shot. Or during the one shot, you're the sick ST, black dog ST who's setting it up. Um, you're like going, yeah, guy, here is the, here's what you're playing, but I'm not going to tell you what you're playing. <laughs> right? That happens a lot. And I, I actually enjoy those games because when you don't know how your powers are going to manifest, all you're doing is living your life in whatever capacity that is. And it's a challenge. What this game does is point out, and Black Dog does this in every version of uh, when it's Black Dog labeled, you know it's going to be good to be definitely entertaining, if nothing else. The game's probably not going to last long, but it will be enjoyable. And why it's enjoyable here. Is because in this book, when you play a Fomori, they let you know your world's going to be crap as it is. You're, you're not going to last. The point is not to make the army that, that never dies. Your point is to make a dent in the army of Gaia. 
right, to rip him down, take down a werewolf or a whole pack or a whole sept if you're that good. And uh, hopefully you get to keep doing it. And that's kind of kind of what they do. But I mentioned there were other things, right? So there's specialty, like the Ferrectoy. But there are also breeds of Fomoria as well, successes they had coming out with. And to that end, Nick, do you have a favorite breed type beyond the Ferrectoy that, that we have there yep. that you enjoy? Oh, yeah. Um, without a doubt, my favorite is the uh, the Bane Children. <laughs> um, if I get a chance, I would I would put them in everything. <laughs> and because if you think about, have you ever you ever seen? Well, Brendan, obviously, um, if, have you ever seen the movie The Good Son with Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin? You know, like uh, when when you're watching that, that is a hundred percent a Bane child. Oh man, like. Somebody just throws the bricks over like the freeway bridge, you know, <laughs> just on on cars unsuspectingly. Uh, it burns down the house just for the the giggles of it. When you see the meme of that little girl kind of looking over her shoulder with the flaming house silhouetted behind her, yeah, oh, that's a okay. that's a hundred percent a Bane child. Okay, I, not necessarily. Well, it, I mean, that's the way I play them. You know, like uh, another example, like Children of the Corn or Children All of the these Dam. Things. Are uh, are prime examples of great Bane children ideas. Mm. Okay, all right. If it's like Children of the Damned, I'm right there with you. Well, those guys are good. I personally like the Tup Dogs. Huh? The Tup Dogs. You never heard of them? Uh, no. What's Tup Dog? What's up, dog? <laughs> the Tup Dog. Nah. T U P. The Tau Upsilon Phi Fraternity Brothers. Oh, you know. yeah. Oh, I, I see what you did <laughs> I there. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> they're, the, they're the sons of Typhon that definitely bear worth mentioning. I think mm-hmm. for years, <clears throat> we've played game and we've talked about it. You know, the path of Typhon, something of Typhon's mention. It's gushed over by fans of, uh, of Sedites. It always cracked me up that no one's ever put that tie in. That they're, they're pulling this from somewhere, folks. There's a magical pile mm-hmm. that they keep going back to to throw up the many faces of Typhon. This is yet another one. This is like a fraternity of specialty <laughs> uh, frat guys that get to have... Uh, how do I put this? They're, they're from Mori. There's, there's no other way to put it, right? They got regeneration, <laughs> and their one special gift is procreation. I couldn't believe it when I saw it in this book yep. to reread it. I was like, yep. come on. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These guys' sole job is to run around in, uh, you know, Jim uh, Tan Laundry. Is Jim Tan Laundry? <laughs> it's, what, yep. it's what they're doing. They live the life. They go to fraternity parties. They have people pledge. They put them through the worst things ever. They create a super secret society based on what, though? Um, if you Drink it, fight it, and fuck it. That's it. If you can get behind it, procreation, making more. Because mm. that's just what you do. That's what you got to do. It's the order of Typhon, baby. We gotta have them out. It, sure, it's a it's a worm beast Greek mythology cult of a, of a demonic worm beast that might be it, but you know you can pass that, <laughs> right? They describe uh, Typhon as a giant covered with wings and snakes, right? We all know that connection, right? If it's a snake, it must be set, and so hey, whatever, right? That that's what it does, is what it do, and uh, that's what they got going on. But they don't want you to forget that you know Pledge Week is only so long, and they call it a Hell Weekend, but you know, come on. Who can't hold their alcohol and who doesn't like babes? Am I right, guys? That's that's what they're about. Why I love this, I couldn't picture a more better fraternity that they or or Fomori that they planned for like Black Furies to have to hunt down. Or children of Gaia <laughs> to deal with, right? With errant fathers that they want to smoke. 
it's it's these guys right here. Like, what's going on? Right, and they have regen, which makes it even better. Like you, uh-huh. but not like they're. What are they really doing? They're just standing around. It'd be like us who have regen. That's it, and we're and we don't miss. We're straight shooters. It's so they. It's so they can keep drinking, bro. You got to keep yeah, can drinking. Can you imagine the liver damage they would have had before they even the graduated? The party never stops. Right. You gotta live up to it. Um, oh, and by the way, I, I I hope I hope that you're listening to this and you're thinking of all the absurd and offensive and horrible ways in which frat boys would take advantage of procreating, because at that point this book has done its purpose. You've got to remember, Black Dog Gaming Company is of the worm, and it's meant to offend you. It it is. I mean, I don't. Uh, well. His statement in passion, I agree with. Meant to offend you, more like they hope that you join them on that role of the offensive. Like they're going to walk you through and show you some offensive stuff. <laughs> they're not setting out to offend you, uh, but they do want you to in the joy of it. He's not wrong in in, in how he said in uh, the passion when he said it, and it shows you that throughout this book. Like I mean, if you don't think it's offensive that they want you to play children or people who would sell action build tattoos. I, I kind of see reading this book as like the same thing as like going to see like a grindhouse movie, right? I'm not <laughs> going there for like a serious thing. I'm going there for a good time, see a lot of explosions, and probably see a lot of gore. Listen, Brentran. You sound like a perfect gore hound. Yeah. Ah, there it is. There, there's that, but I mean, you've seen Action Bill on TV. You've read Action Bill comics. You've played with Action Bill Danger Squad figurines. Uh, now, Action Bill, squad. sir, saw... I got permanent Action Bill tattoos. <laughs> and it's... I mean, you've seen the you've seen the Action Bill movies starring Dolph Lundgren, right? I, I adore Lundgren. it, dude. They got so many great quotes in here. They're usually stocked with I... not only Action Bill products, but don't forget, Action Bill can't handle it himself. His helpers, Adam Sargent and Hero Worm have squad insignia, and the squad mascot, Wolf Skinner. <laughs> oh, these guys are great. Don't forget the actual mobile, the enemies, Bronto Beast and Wolf Commander, right? <laughs> right, as they take on the forces of W-O-L-F. Wolf, right, because <laughs> the Wolf Commanders, of course, needed to be killed. And I love it because they make the Wolf Commander so, like, it drips with, like, they intended him to be Nazi. That's the that's the goal, right? Even the worm, just, uh, just in the way that they spelled wolf with a U, yes. right, and a double R at the end, and a K at the beginning. Yeah, it just it 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 screams like we're trying to make this as Nazi as we can. Please be action, Bill, American hero. Now, why why it's bad is because what what does this do? A child who plays with all this and has a fun with it and gets used to war and hunting things and killing things and what they're telling it to start hating, they eventually do. They grow with that hatred, and that's the whole entire point. And they mentioned a child from Maureen, you know, they basically, they're out of the way until it comes time to put them in the way and to be of use. Because basically, who can assault the Pentex factory when you have the children running out there armed with silver weapons that were told they were harmless? Think about that. <laughs> they just organize it as like some like weird outdoor Chuck E. Cheese program, right? All the kids are going to go play. All right, kids. I understand that you're here, but your guide, Brennan and Nick, are going to be here outside, armed to the teeth to help arm you take out the evil wolf commander. He's going to be here soon. So kids, get in place, all right? 
Why is it so dark out? That's why we gave you the special night goggles, remember? Oh, yeah, and you're going to keep checking my score? Boy, am I, Timmy. You got top kills. You have the best aim. <laughs> don't worry, it's all for you. And don't forget, we're giving you this special gun, and it's going to have a little kick. What do we do with it? We take our femoral first. That's right, you chew the femoral chewing gum. This gives you the strength to hang onto your gun and rat-a-tat kill the evil wolf commander. Top kills gets to ride in a helicopter on the way home. Yay! And they're all out front. And meanwhile, what's the party of werewolves doing? Well, we got to get here and destroy this factor. We plan this out. And hopefully we're not caught. Why are there kids out front? Oh, my God. They're holding the kids hostage? Because that's what it looks like. Because Brendan and Nick are back there with guns pointing at the back of the kids. <laughs> right. And the kids have these big <laughs> floppy helmets on that don't even come close to fitting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They're just askew. <laughs> <laughs> trying to tighten it. Let them have a rip. Yeah, let's see your players decide how they're going to handle that. We're going to go Krinos. Little do you know, Femoral has an interesting side effect. Immunity to the delirium, at least for these kids, because the Action Build badge has been training them for the evil ways of what Gaia is going to afflict on them. You know, that evil entity Gaia that keeps making more wolves for the wolf commander? It's terrible. They're prepped. They're ready. Yeah. It's use them as a shield because now it's a double whammy. If you don't kill the kids, they're going to grow to be these powerful, weird, whacked out hunters of werewolves that are for Mori. Absolutely. Or you're going to kill them now and these poor abused kids end up being killed by your player's hands, which hopefully sets in Hirano and soon. Either way, Nick and Brennan win because they're just getting a promotion. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's that's great to me. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna have a werewolf go into Hirano, we have a we have a friend who's waiting to talk to him on the sidelines. <laughs> I, I can just imagine there's that one red talent off to the side with that. What's that fucking gif of the the guy from Hot Fuzz loading the shotgun? Just shame. This is this is total shame. Well, don't worry, guys. I know we talked a lot about it. the worm doesn't care about kids, and I, I'm gonna tell you you're wrong. I want to tell you, if you're listening right now and you think the worm doesn't care, you're incorrect. If you didn't think giving them action bill helped brighten their day and make their lives entertaining, well, they're thinking about you, ladies. Life's hard. Whether you're pro-life, pro-choice, whatever it is, we want you to know that Conceptual Services LTD is here to help oh. you out. They're a fertility clinic that the worm has, has, has brought to you uh, to help you in all your needs at discount prices for those people who are either hard on their luck, got hit with a surprise, don't know what to do, and in some cases they even pay for your child. That's right, folks. Pay for your child. You don't want your child? We don't want you to be judged for that. We pay to go ahead and conceptual services for you to sign away your child. We get the child, you get the money, no questions are asked, you go away. You do your thing. But by the way, that money comes with a contingency th- idea and plan. If you end up being really good at carrying kids to term that are ideally suited to be possessed by the worm, hey, there's all sorts of programs we have. Right? And the truth is, we've got a bunch of amazing donors. I mean, obviously, uh, from very distinguished, uh, top-rated individuals. We've tested them on multiple fronts. Um, without question, um, they have superior genetics, superior intelligence, um, Superior capabilities that uh, that is just what every woman's looking for. Exactly, and hey, I, I understand why you're pregnant. It's child child rearing and birth isn't easy, and, and just the act, idea of being pregnant's rough. I mean, you might be played with nightmares and you know horrible dreams, bad feelings. It's just not it's something's not right with your baby. Alienation's natural, right? You, it's not every day you have a child. It's a tender and blessed moment. But you know, what's that? Oh, you've been feeling like your child wants to kill you. 
That your child hates you? Well, that's strange. Um, we'll just adjust the spicy food you eat at night. And hey, do you about some chocolate? Who doesn't like chocolate? It's perfectly normal. What's this? Your child mentally did kill somebody in front of you, turning them inside out, and that wasn't a dream? Yeah, put her in room three. Yeah, totally understandable. <laughs> but for the rest of you, please, conceptual services help for everything you have going on. Jokes aside, folks, we're not kidding. They do have a conceptual services here that is easily a planted whole entire plot device if you really want to get into just how dark the worm can be. Uh, here it is. They talk about banelings, right? Incubating inside of a woman that would give... They, Yeah, they, they terrified me at Bane's semen. They, they really <laughs> did. That, that's really where I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Where, how deep are we going? They're like, all the way. <laughs> We're going all the way deep. And they have contingencies, like the parts that I really like in this, it's because it plays in the whole, um, I'm birthing the end of the world, the Antichrist, right? That that trope they have used for horror films several times. It's, my child is this terrible thing and I'm terrified of it. That terror actually serves to help fuel the bane uh, that's inside there for it, right? It's all part of the process. But if you tried to kill your child, then the birth of the child does kill the mother every time. Usually the mother and everyone around it. Because that's, that's it. You only get one chance to offend in the Worms book, and that's it. But if you didn't, you now get this uh, child that comes out with an incubation period uh, that might be there as well. Chrysalis of sorts. That's right. Yes. You might be getting a real mutated monster off the bat, no pulled punches. However, all Bane children are lovely or handsome children. That's right. They come with a very rare thing that the Worm gives them with. The ability that everybody loves them, cares for them. And kind of kind of looks out for them. And and maybe it's sanity and taking that you have to ignore some of the worst parts of them. But but in that, it's kind of Lovecraftian, right? That that why was that child not noted to be the weird three-headed monster that was birthed from a Shagath, or if you know the term, some ancient evil came in and pregnant her, why didn't you kill her? This is this is what they play around with, and they arm you to tell kind of that story. But they do it from a structured way. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back to the land of uh, of okay we got this book what what would that do for us exactly this right here a lot of people have trouble conceptualizing what are the bad stuff they intended for werewolf players to come and encounter with to you know to destroy and deal with and when they play werewolf you have the base templates ideas in the book and you throw them out and kind of have it and think that that's really the limited flavor of it no black dog is great in saying we're gonna help you see it. We're going to help you see precisely what we were referring to, and we wanted you uh, to, to go deep with it. Here's where we're at, and here's what we saw. But the reason why we give you a book that's chock-filled with powers and the weaknesses that have to be paired together is because we don't want you to miss out on that special moment when you realize that you can construct a whole entire horror game that is fun for people to do in a beer and pretzels fashion that is, that is harmless. Completely harmless for players to go through. One unique thing about this book, I've had about uh, four or five times. One time we did a quote-unquote campaign with it, but for the vast majority, people are killed and games end, and it's not a problem. Right? There's no problem whatsoever. It's how they go out is typically what they're hoping for, right? You're sitting back wondering when your friend's going to pop when you hear the powers they got. For instance... Who here can forget the time when on our server we're running a game, uh, Savage Genitalia was mentioned? Yeah, uh, mentioned. Oh, 
I, I remember when that when that happened. Uh, some <laughs> poor Groxel. <laughs> it's it's what you gotta say. It's a what savage genitalia. It's what you think. It's what we're legally holding to, because there might be little ones uh, that are in mm-hmm. earshot of the parents listening to this. So we're not gonna get that graphic with that. We're not about to break those borders for that. Uh, but everybody else, you know what we're talking about, the adults in the room. It's bad stuff. It's it's every bit as bad as you think it is, right? If you, uh, to put it another way, imagine you have 13 inches of something that has uh, blades and whatnot on it and all sorts of stuff, an evil little bat, and it can go wild with it. Or do the reverse. Imagine you have a, we'll call it a trap, that you have blades and objects on it, and it's uh, got tendrils and ways to pull people in it, and, and munch and chop and maim and do things like that. And it's the scenarios that you have to get in that are more than comical and terrifying until you spring them. And when you spring them, what do people do? I promise you, every time I've played it for Morning Games, someone's had that. And not because I throw it in there. A lot of times you rely on random rolls. Sometimes an ST will throw them in just to see what a player does with it when they have it. Every time, it has always been shock and terrible trauma for everybody all around on all sides. Not... Not wanting because at first you, you think it's a drawback and someone says it's not a drawback. It's kind of cool. And then it's like, is it cool? And then they start going through the scenario with it and not understanding, you know, what has to be done or the scenarios they can get involved with. It becomes terrible because it's very rare that it's just that. It would be that and then some sort of dark urge that comes with it. Or maybe in, maybe in order that they develop a fugue state around performing and they never know the outcome. It really depends on what drawbacks they get. That's the cool thing about this book, that when you have Fremori that roll for powers instead of purchasing them, um, you can have a storyteller say, here's a set power limit, but your points have to balance, which means for every power you get, there has to be a drawback, and there's a power list for that too, and there is a ton, and the fact that players get to mix and match, that's always the funnest part of character creation of this, is listen to people in the room who uh, get, a, get a power called out to them, but the ST doesn't say anything. And it's like, okay, can you think of a power? Yes or no. And typically, it's, yeah, go ahead, you pick the power. I always find it becomes that. We'd much rather not know, or we'd rather you pick, but we saw the power we want. And there's just, all you can do is smile when you're the storyteller of this, because you know they're not aware (laughs) of the cost of such things. But it's not just about that, not the sharing and the gore and whatnot that you can get into, it's, it's everything we said about the aspect of the Bane cultivating process to getting from Mori and having to battle them. And I think that's why this book is good. However, to, uh, to you both, uh, really, really to Nick first, I want you to kind of cap this. Um, do you feel that this book is a shoe-in for people to understand what the worm is and for this to be a valid addition to even a player's uh, book collection that are playing Werewolf? But to understand what the worm is, I, I wouldn't say that at all. Um, the worm is far more complex and than really what's described in this, in this book, but to experience the worm, I don't think there's anything better. All right. Uh, Brent, Sharon, what about you? Uh, I enjoy this a lot, probably more of a, from an ST standpoint. Uh, honestly, like this, this gives you like a very in-depth, uh, look 
at you know some of the programs or just some of the different ways that uh, Pintex interacts with the worm directly. Uh, and, and definitely this is a, a good look into that or insight into how that all works. So like uh, like we were joking about earlier with the, with the, the kids and the and the werewolf pack, right? There's a lot of scenarios in here to, to pull from. Well, what I'm going to tell you is that this book definitely does give you, at least I feel, gives you an insight into the worm um, in terms of how it actually operates. You can get stuck in the highfalutin where spirits are entrapped in the realm and here's a sigil and here's what that might be like. And, you know, that has a cult and that has this and that has that. But when you talk about the shock troops and how it's applied to the real world in terms of how this would be frontline and what werewolves would face and what that would look like, most of us can't think of that. You're going to have a hard time. In fact, I know people wouldn't know unless they had a guidebook of how to do it. Um, I myself wouldn't know how to do that. Because you might decide that it was like they're zombie-esque or there's there's some strength that they have or an army that decides the form and they all know how to kill werewolves and they know silver. But if you read the book, you know they already have that. And that's not enough. You didn't go far enough. This isn't something that spiritually makes you bad and that's it. It stops. It gets far, far worse. It's also not just cosmic entities from afar that could come into this realm from the Umbra and decide they could chew up and mess with mankind and it's the werewolf's job to team up and take those down. This is supposed to be how the worm is able to whisper and worm into every day, every person lives. And once it gets there, how do they change? How do they develop? How do they adapt? And the super corporation that supports them. That steps in in true capitalist evil fashion to monopolize on them as weapons or whatnot. Because you could easily take this game in a direction of where you're not working against werewolves exactly. But you play the super soldiers walking around setting up deals for Pentex. Or cleaning up the messes of people who wouldn't deal with Pentex. Right? Easily. You vampire players can be stuck in a game where you're chosen for Mori as a Pentex first team. Which are these specialty strike teams designed to go and wipe out opposition. And your team's responsible for cleaning out dun, 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 Chicago. Why? The BSDs owed money and they were supposed to make a deal and they never did it. And you're there to collect the fetishes. But you happen to know a Tremere who has to sit in their chantry and Pentex never forgets. And the worm wants its deal. And it's all good, baby. Because whether you war and kill and tear up the city, no matter who you kill, even if you die, the worm still gets its objective uh, pushed out there and gets it going forward. But it still wants what it wants. Don't forget, Pentex the type that regardless what the worm wants to do, they still want their money or their power or their objectives achieved. And it's going to push that through. Now, why I say regardless of the worm? Me and Nick pointed out before when we discussed the Book of the Worm that the uh, aspects that one can fight the other, that happens. That happens a lot. Uh, amongst the worm and its minions. Not never, no one side ever sided with the other so clean. There's always conflict. It is the essence of chaos that the worm is. And it's supposed to be. And it's dominance of the world. It's a thrashing entity in pain that's lashing out all manner of evil things it can inspire. It's kind of the feel you're supposed to have with it. Really almost unpredictable. But this defines it for you. That makes it usable and uh, tactical is, is what I would say. Um, why I say all that? Very simply, if enough of what we discussed doesn't help you, you will see specialty items that are given to uh, entities in here that they thought of, Black Dog style, to take on the worm. Stuff like, what is it, Vibro Blades, I believe is one in here. Uh, the Femoral Nick already turned in on. Um, Action Build Badge does have a function in here. You could even see um, specialty ammo, equipment, uh, automatic shotguns that were put in here before that was a thing, and uh, how they might use it. 
that's that's all here. It's designed to keep those agendas here. So the unique thing about this book, though, I would say, they don't label it an antagonist book. Right? It's a player's guide. Mm-hmm. Why I let that sit? Because it's interesting. Just recently, I'll leave that there, that we... Uh, on that about that being a player's guide just recently we reviewed a book that was released as an antagonist book for the sabbat now why i point that out is is because that book though set up similarly to this one in terms of here's what you could do and here's the stuff you can do and here's all this and why they do what they do and this is here and that's there it's very similar isn't it you can look at this and see well they got special powers and special reasons and special ways to be but what stops you from making a game out of that for players right well, this nothing. does nothing at all, right? In fact, but because they didn't put player's guide on it, that somehow gets people to think differently. And it's the power of the word. But yet, I look at this Freak Legion, and I really have a hard time seeing this being in the hands of players. Mm-hmm. Right? Because to me, it's it's an antagonist book, but here you go. They have a character creation section, and they put player on the, on the front of it. That made it all acceptable. And everything's Okay. I point it out to be ironic. I think it's the little things that adjust us as fans that make us realize that these books are all subject to how we choose to use them. It's that simple. But I want to say thank you both for being here. I think that's all we got. Freak Legion's only like a, a little less than 120 pages here. Um, in fact, I think it's 107 uh, to be exact. Um, I just used 20 because I was off in the quote. But, you know, I think it's 107. Sounds good. Uh, but the but the point is, check out the book, have it. It's it's fun for what it is. It's a ticket for a fast ride. It's having a night of uh, pure mayhem. Or if you could stomach it, build a campaign that makes sense for you. Any last words, guys? Perfect. Right, enjoy your day. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk to y'all later. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.